This message was presented at the GYC 2017 conference, Arise, in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Okay. Awesome. So, uh, my name is Annie, Annie Moretta. I am presenting the second seminar, which is The Power of One Song. And uh, kind of what I do on the music committee is I help out coordinate song services, um, kind of do helping out with backstage stuff. So you people usually don't see me unless I'm actually, um, unless you're back there. And um, it's been quite the experience. As you've seen already, Caleb, he's the one who heads our committee. And you know, it's been, it's been a trip from one moment to the next, and we just love working with with people like you guys. And um, so kind of what we're going to be covering in this session is the power of your local church ministry and how we've worked in the past, how we have done our, our, types, of so, our, our types of song services and how we have used our principles, these different principles from the Bible to keep us moving forward in whatever we do. Uh, my goal for the seminar is first to inspire you and hopefully that you may continue to gain more knowledge and kind of be able to assimilate your own experience with music to how you can use it for church. And also, I also want to show you how we have worked with song services. And uh, for those of you who do not know me, which I feel like it's a lot of you, um, I'm an undergraduate student at Andrews University. I was a music major up until this semester, and I switched for more pre-professional reasons, um, but I loved it. I was able to get more experience in, in music. I play violin, and um, I've been involved in my church ministry, in other churches. Wherever we go, there's always someone who asks us to, ask, I guess, musicians, if they see you with a violin, if they know that you play the piano, I'm sure you guys have experienced this in one way or another. They ask you to sing, they ask you to play, they ask you to do all sorts of things. Um, I grew up kind of playing, involved in music. Uh, my parents actually had us uh, start out with piano, and uh, we kind of grew up in that environment where we didn't think that we could let it go. Um, they didn't give us that time to really to really think about, you know, well, maybe this is a time to let it go sort of thing. They just wanted us to keep playing music as far as we could. Um, I loved playing in orchestras. I, I played in the Grand Rapids Youth Symphony. So, you know, kind of experiencing that world and coming to this type of world. And uh, I really thought I wanted to do music in my first year of college music education. But I quickly realized that um, that was probably not my calling because of the kind of outside experience that we get and the, it's almost competitive in some ways. And um, what I love to do is I love to minister through music um, to people all around me. And my passion has been sharing Christ through music and sometimes like I am speaking today. And uh, before we begin, how many of you guys were at the last seminar that Caleb gave? Great, okay. Second question, how many of you guys are currently involved in your local church ministry? Okay. How many of you guys are pianists? Singers? Uh, let's go with string instrumentalists. Let's go. Okay. Awesome. And I guess Rass and the rest of the orchestra. Okay. Organ. organ. There you go. <laughs> Got three organ. Okay. So we'll do a recap, but first let's have a word of prayer. Dear Gracious and Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for a beautiful day you've given to us, a beautiful day to learn about you, to serve you in what we do. I want to ask you, please bless what we do. I want to ask you, please help us to learn more, help us to hear your word, and help us to do your will, Lord. Ultimately, that's our goal. We want to be here to minister for others, Lord, to share your passion, share your love for for all of us and to show what you have done for everyone here in this room and in this world, Lord. Um, I just ask you, please help us to be more like you in our music, help our music to reflect the music that you would like us to have and that we may have an effective ministry to bring others to you. I want to thank you for each and every one of the people who are here. 
and that you may please be with my voice and please help me to only share your words. And you name my pray. Amen. All right, so for those of you who were not here, we're just going to do a quick recap. And, you know, even though there was a 15-minute break, it's probably something that we needed to go back into. And um, a lot of these things have to do with church ministry. And Caleb talked about his personal experience with music, how music has affected him in his life. He also talked about Lucifer and uh, Satan's experience with music and provides an example of what can happen when we don't commit our music and our attitudes to be wholly submitted to God. He had then asked the question, what is the motivation for you to do music? What is the motivation for me to do music? Is it to bring attention to myself? Is it so that I can show other people how good I am? Is it to show other people that I am just, you know, a person who, who has all these talents and gifts? Or is it actually to bring others to Christ? And that's the question that we have to constantly ask ourselves. Um, as a musician, I, I kind of experienced the, the whole idea that when you're up on stage, when you're up front, it feels like everything is for show. It feels like, you know, it's very easy to slip into that thing where it's like, oh, well, I'm the one who's directing music. I'm the one who's playing this. I'm the one who's doing that. And that's where we begin to have our big problems. Um, kind of going back to history and what I like to do, and um, I remember in orchestra, we played these massive symphonies, and there was just always so much work, so much competition. I'd go home, practice for hours and hours a day, and then it came to song service, and it came to our local church, and we'd practice the night before. We'd practice right before church. And it wasn't because we didn't have time. It was more like, oh, well, you know, we can play that. If I can play the hard stuff, I can play the easy stuff. And um, that was kind of how I began to, to think of it. And it just kind of took some time. It kind of took some learning. And I had to realize that uh, ministry in our local church is so important. It's so, so much of what we do is involved in not only just music, but in the rest of the worship service. It's involved in when people go home and maybe they don't remember the sermon. Maybe they don't remember exactly what the pastor said, but they may remember that one song. They may remember that one hymn that you sang for song service. And that is such a beautiful thing. And we chose kind of this uh, name because the power of one song is so evident. You can almost always, I don't know if you guys have had this experience. I know I have. Um, I know intricate power presented in just one song. It can affect you emotionally, it can affect you in, intellectually, and it's been such an intricate part of the worship service. Lucifer played a large role in directing and singing praises to God. We know that from inspired scripture, and we know that there were problems. We know that that was the beginning. It was almost as if the first major sin was associated with music. And it was as if, you know, that slipping of pride is so easily, you can so easily come into it. And we always imagine what it would be like to listen to this type of heavenly music. You know, whenever you hear a mass orchestra, a mass choir combined under the leadership of a conductor, I usually hear the words, you know, this is what heaven must sound like. This is what heaven, you know, if we were in heaven right now, if we heard the angels, this must be it right now. That's probably the closest thing we do have to heavenly music. We don't know. But we do know that Lucifer took his position and used it as a pedestal for his own glory, giving us the beginning of the plight that we have today. And uh, this shows that, you know, it can be so, sin can be so closely associated with music, pride, and how we deal with different things. You know, kind of going back biblically, one of the first biblical mentions of people singing in a group can be found in Exodus 15. If you guys have your Bibles, it'd be great if you guys could turn to there. And so Exodus 15, starting with verse 1. I'll put verse 1 and 2 up there. So, 
In Exodus 15, we find that Moses and the children of Israel sang, this is what it says, sang to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. I'm going to keep going. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. He has chosen captains also are drowned in the sea. The depths have covered them. They sink to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the great enemy in pieces. And the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who have rose against you. You have sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And it continues on. And it's a praise. It's really a thanks, song of thanksgiving, a song of praise. Because God had done something so marvelous, so amazing in their lives, he actually parted the Red Sea. He did something that no one else could have done. No human power could have even done. They couldn't even explain it, you know, even as a, as a oh, maybe this is some sort of world event that really God was not involved in it. Um, just the, the matter of what happened, the events that happened, were so bizarre, and they had to know, they knew that it was God who was there to save them. And when we come to, to well, out of their souls, they poured thanksgiving praise and glory to the one who had the power and chose to save them from their near destruction. Oftentimes we associate music with um, just music, but when we sing from our own thanksgiving, when we sing from our own praise, when we sing from our hearts, that's when things begin to change. That's when we begin to see really how amazing God is, how amazing music is, how much it can do. And we're going to go to another example, Second Chronicles 5. Then Second Chronicles 5, I'm just going to do a quick recap. It's the, the temple. As Solomon built the temple... They were beginning to furnish it. They were beginning to put things in it. And one of the first things that they put in was the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was so special, so sanctified. And in verse 13, 12, let's start at 11, actually. Let's start at 11. And Second Chronicles 5, 11 says, And it came to pass when the priest came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites who were the singers, all those of Asaph, Human, and Jedud's son, my bad, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed it came to pass, when the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. That the house of the Lord was filled, the house, the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud, so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house with God. Now, music... I said earlier, music can be associated very easily with pride. Music can also be associated with the presence of God, with the presence of the Holy Spirit. It was, as the Ark of the Covenant was being brought in, we see the process of sanctification and dedication and how it was accompanied by music from the Levites. It's important to note that in verse 14, that the glory of the Lord filled the temple to a degree that they couldn't even continue because of that association, because of that uh, process of sanctification with music. And we're also going to go to one more example, actually two more examples. The next example is David. David, of course, you guys all know the Psalms. And if you haven't read through the Psalms, I would suggest read them, you know, put them to song. We, ha we don't know what the songs are, you know, as of today, but putting those Psalms into song are beautiful are an amazing way to bring the word of God into your heart and so kind of David was 
in a position where he recognized the power of music. He recognized the influence of music on our emotional well-being. And, um, and Conflict and Courage, page, one, page 159, we see that David's skillful playing upon the harp soothed the troubled spirit of Saul. As he listened to the enchanting strains of music, it was an influence to dispel the gloom which had settled upon him and to bring his excited mind into a more rational, happy state. In this situation, we see that Saul was really in a bad position. He was dealing with, I'm sure, a bunch of internal conflict. He was just not himself. He was struggling with um, probably depression. He was struggling with a whole bunch of mental problems. And David came, and he knew, he knew the power of one song. He knew the power of music on our emotional well-being. And as we continue, we kind of see that David played music to soothe and calm, giving Saul peace of mind. Really, God asks us to, to be that ministry, to bring music that soothes, that calms, that brings peace into our hearts and to our lives. And we're going to kind of continue on. And Christ, Jesus, finally, our ultimate example, he had an experience with music that was unparalleled. We really don't know that much, but we do know from inspired scripture that, or inspired words and writings, that music was a strong help to Christ in resisting temptation and keeping a happy spirit and helping others. In the book Evangelism, page 498, we see that Ellen White says that when others are impatient, fretful, and complaining because self is not subdued, begin to sing some of the songs of Zion. While Christ was working at the carpenter's bench, others would surround him, trying to cause him to be impatient. But he would begin to sing he would begin singing some of the beautiful songs, and before they realized what they were doing, they had joined with him in singing, influenced as it were by the power of the Holy Spirit which was there. That is such an amazing power. You know, to have a situation where maybe you don't know how to confront people. Maybe you don't know how to tell them, can you please stop, you know, bugging me? Can you please stop, you know, being this type of person? But Christ knew what to do. He knew that music was such a strong and powerful encouragement to those who were around him. And it had the ability to change their whole outlook. And the fact that they had joined in some of the singing as if they just didn't know what else to do because it was just the power of the song that was there. This is one simple song, song from the soul, from the heart, from an experience that had enough power to bring the Holy Spirit into the hearts of those who were around Jesus. Later in his life, Jesus used, to, used music to handle the problems that life threw at him. And in the next quote in Education 166, see, with a song, Jesus in his earthly life met temptation. Often when, a sharp stinging, often when sharp stinging words were spoken, often when the atmosphere around him was heavy with gloom, with that dissatisfaction, distrust, and oppressive fear, was heard his song of faith and holy cheer. And I don't know if, how many of you guys were Pathfinders, but that, that motto where it's um, keep the song in your heart, it really has an amazing power to change our outlook in life, to change how we, how we view ourselves, how we view the people around us. If we continue to use music as a way to minister to others, we begin to understand really what this whole concept of God's love, what the whole concept of his glory, his whole concept of what he wants for us, what he wants for others. And Jesus provides such an amazing example. We have so much to learn from the power of one song. Now, Jesus associated music with many other things, many other issues. Um, he knew that there were different aspects other than the way we, we often think about. And also, Ellen White was no stranger to the power of music. James White had a voice that she described as silvery and clear. And if you actually read, I don't know, some of the quotes up here, may have them. She uses this description for um, Elder James' voice, and she also uses it as, as a description for how she wants other people to sing. In her councils in church music, 
And she follows this description as the preferred tone or the sound that musicians in the church service should have. And she saw firsthand the effect that music had upon the hearts of the people. She describes one instance where Elder James uh, began singing the song, You Will Hear the Lord A-Coming. I don't know if you guys have heard that song. It's, you will hear the Lord a-coming, you will hear the Lord a-coming, you will hear the Lord a-coming in a few more days. In a, while the band of music, while the band of music, while the band of music shall be chanting through the air. And if you hear that, if you really look at the words, it doesn't seem like it's something that's super powerful. It doesn't seem like it's, oh, well, it seems like he's repeating the same thing over and over again. But the members of the congregation would fall completely silent. And uh, in Life Incidents of, Dr. of Elder James, he writes, the reader certainly cannot see poetic merit in the repetition of these simple lines. And if he has never heard the sweet melody to which they were attached, he would be at a loss to see how one voice could employ them as to hold nearly a thousand persons in almost breathless silence. But it is a fact that there was in those days a power in what was called Advent singing, such as what was felt in no other. It seemed to me that not a hand or foot moved in the crowd before me till I had finished the words of this lengthy melody. Many wept. Many wept at this simple little song. And it wasn't because the music was amazing. It wasn't because it was glorious. It wasn't because there was a full orchestra. There was a full choir singing. And it wasn't because you had, you know, even the full organ. It was just because he was singing that one song with such power, with such a dedication and such an experience that they had really no other no other experience and they had they had this this coming and they had wanted something they had wanted something in life and they wanted to see Jesus come again that was their motivator in whatever they did that needs to be our motivator as to what we do as to how we approach music and it was one of those things that was such an encouragement um, as a music leader as someone who helps coordinate these music things, um, sometimes you know we always want, or we sometimes want, a person who plays the best, a person who sings the best, a person who maybe comes from the outside, a person who, you know, we think that we need to put in all this effort, but in reality, Jesus just asks us to give our hearts in singing, to employ our experience with Jesus, and to continue growing to continue using that experience in what we do. And so we're going to um, kind of, I'm going to talk about my experience personally. Um, I had an, back when I was actually here in Phoenix, um, I, was, I was young. I was in high school. It was uh, my first time. I was actually coming for a pre-conference. And I remember that we were all canvassing. We were all working hard. We were all uh, struggling. We were all tired, really. You know, when you walk all day, you really don't talk to people. Yeah, you talk to people at the door. Sometimes they slam the door in your face. Sometimes you have an amazing experience. It depends, really, on the day. And you really can't let, can't let your spirit fall down just because you've gotten a million doors slammed on your face. Um, but I remember that, for some reason, I was just feeling down. I felt alone. I felt like there was really nothing as to as to that could cheer me up. And I was like, Lord, I feel like I'm just so far away from you right now. I just feel like I'm dealing with all these problems. I'm dealing with all these things. I have no idea how to even, you know, deal with my own emotions. And I remember that there was a speaker who was actually speaking for the worship. And I don't remember what he said, in all honesty. I don't remember what he said. And, um, but I do remember one thing. I remember that at the end of his talk, at the end of his worship, he began singing, what a friend we have in Jesus. And he just sang it a cappella. He sang it all by himself because you don't really need, you know, a whole bunch of people singing up there. And he began singing, 
What a friend we have in Jesus. It was such a reminder for me personally that I have a friend. I have someone who, who can bring me to a different emotional place, who can bring me happiness, who can bring me joy, who can bring me peace. And, you know, maybe he would have said it, maybe he would have said the words, but I think it was really the melody, the music that came with those words, came with that, that, um, uh, the, the, the words that came basically as a poem, there you go, the words that came as a poem and how they were used in song, that was what really, really changed the way I began to look at music. It began to um, affect the, the principles that I use, the principles that we use, and um, began to really, you know, begin building our, our whole concept on how we view music. So we're going to continue on, and we're going to kind of start uh, on the second section. And so it's kind of the how-to section. Um, I know a lot of you guys have been involved in music, and there have been a lot of successful music uh, song services that maybe a lot of you have been involved in. Um, but I know there's a lot of also churches, a lot of places where you know it's not as clear. It's not as um, set forth in stone. It's not uh, very very inspiring to some people. And so we're just going to start out by talking about song services. And, you know, really, when you organize a song service team, what's the first thing you guys think about? For those of you who do, does anybody here organize song services? You? Okay, a few of you. What's the first thing you think about when you organize a song service? Being on time? Okay. Involving the congregation in the spirit of the song. Okay, involving the congregation. Anybody else? Singers. singers. Singers are your first first step. You have your singers and your instrumentalists. Yes? Exactly, the messages. Uh huh. Background music. Sorry? When to practice. When to practice. <laughs> Always a crazy one for that one. Um, one of the first things I think about when uh, I'm setting up these song services is the song leader team. And your leader has to be enthusiastic, they have to be consecrated, willing, and humble. Those are my, you know, kind of core re requirements type of thing. Um, you know, even if they're not amazing singers, it, it's really nice that they're amazing singers. But what we really want to actually e emphasize is how we associate music with it. It's not exactly how we present it all the time. It's not exactly, oh, let's, you know, give you the best singer. Because the best singer may be up there. Lucifer was up there. He was up there singing, and he was amazing. Everybody loved him, but he wasn't humble. He wasn't consecrated. He wasn't, you know, I guess he was enthusiastic. Um, those, are the, those are the things that also we as song leaders need to think about. I constantly have to pray, and I have to say, Lord, humble me. And he does. He humbles me a lot. And he, you know, shows me that, I need to commit myself to him. I need to constantly um, commit my own character as to be molded to what he wants me to be. And so when we pick our song leaders, we pick kind of the people who are willing, who even if it's last minute, we've had so many issues. We've had issues all the time, every time we pass through. And the worst part in dealing with song leaders is dealing with people who don't want to change. They don't want to um, continue, or they don't want to, you know, change a practice time. They don't want to, you know, oh, maybe can you sing for this song service instead? And they were like, well, you asked us for this song service, so we don't want to do the other song service if you're changing your mind. But as music leaders, we have to constantly be adjusting. We have to be, you know, finding the people who are willing to really help out. Um, we had issues, actually, with, with people who needed switching this year, and... Um, we had a group that I just knew from the get-go that they were so willing to do whatever we needed to, them to do 
And that was such a blessing, such an encouragement. So if you are a song leader yourself, um, this is one of the great things that helps those who coordinate. Uh, we need people who are willing first more than anything. And, um, and in your constant daily devotion, ask God to humble you. Ask God to change you know, your perspective on life, your perspective on music. So we choose, um, here at GYC, we actually choose the song leader, and the song leader chooses their team so that they can be comfortable with who they want to sing with. Um, I'm sure that in local churches it changes. Uh, other people assign people. It's really helpful for assigning people when um, they want to be part of a team, but they don't want to be a leader. And so oftentimes we'll do that, and we'll actually put groups together and um, you know use them because they're willing. And it's not always that we ask one song leader all the time. Uh, it's more the people who even sent in stuff. And so then the next thing we think about is uh, pianists. Pianists are your second, your second actually more than more than the song leaders, but uh, they have kind of an equal equal level of importance. We uh, we choose our pianists in a way that that they also are willing, kind of the same way that song leaders are chosen. And um, one of the most important things, if you are a pianist, uh, I know a lot of you probably know this, a lot of you probably you know, have, have dealt with different experiences, but one of the big things is that you know, we ask for people to follow oftentimes um, instead of always leading, um, because we need kind of a mixture of both. And I know there are pianists who are used to leading, and maybe that's the case for you. But if you have a good leader, it's always best to have you know, a pianist who follows instead of leads. And for us, one of our big things, one of our big struggles is uh, dragging. And um, it's kind of practical. You know, kind of the song slows down, and it gets slower, and it gets slower. By the end of it, you're standing there you know, singing a few words type of thing. Maybe you guys don't have this experience. but. Um, one of the things I say to my, to my people is if you feel like it's too slow, maybe it's too slow. Um, one of you guys mentioned accompanying music. And so people who play as part of your music, uh, and kind of this, or Testimonies 9, page 144, kind of brings this really well. It says, in the meetings held, let a number be chosen to take part in the song service. And let the singing be accompanied with music instruments skillfully handled. We're not to pose the use of instrumental work, music in our work. This part of the service is to be carefully conducted for the praise of God in song. The singer, um, the instrumentalist, are one of the harder things to deal with. Um, I come from a smaller, I came from a smaller church, and one of the big issues was that the instrumentalists were not always willing. Um, and we began to kind of incorporate our own personal, how we interacted with them, our personal experience. And we began to uh, actually encourage people to even take lessons. We encouraged young people to not just, you know, play violin, play piano when you go to church, play throughout the week. That's how we as music musicians grow. And when you practice, when you have your young people, those of you who are maybe leaders, when you have young people um, involved throughout the week, when you have them growing, that's the most important part. Uh, you need growth. You need people who um, want to continue learning. And I, you know, even I, I continue practicing for, for you know, special musics. I have I have things prepared for song services. I, I kind of have my idea of where I need, to, I need to continue practicing. I don't just pull out my violin. I don't just sing when I'm, I'm at, at church. And so kind of the week development will also help a lot of song services, a lot of programs. And um, the music as well as the voice should be cultivated. Uh, we have to learn from our mistakes, move on. And you know how I began to learn was by ha asking what I could do better, and I would ask people, and I'd be like, so you know, they'd always say, you know, that was amazing, that was beautiful. But then, if you have some people that you know you can trust in, you can ask them, um, what could I do better? There's always something that we could do better, and there's always something that you know maybe it's not exactly outward, but 
we have to continue growing in our music. We can't just be stagnant. That will affect the rest of your worship service. Um, the next thing we kind of go through is how we choose the music. Uh, everything, sorry, everything, Selected Messages, Volume 3, everything that is connected in any way with religious worship should be dignified, solemn, and impressive. Those three words are, are quite, quite kind of intimidating for me, but when you think about it, um, we can't just have cheap music, really. Uh, when there are often times where we think, oh, well, this is, this is, you know, well, it says God in it, it says Jesus in it, you know, it has to do something with the church, but it's not exactly dignified. It's not exactly, maybe not always solemn in the way we think it is. It's not like it has to be, you know, super down or we have to just kind of like drag through it, but something that actually moves us to move forward. And um, the next thing, the senior should be able to sing with understanding. Now, we're not talking about, we're not going to be talking about music as far as, you know, popular music. We're not going to be talking that much about, um, about, you know, what music is okay, what music is not okay. Because right now, that's not really what we're doing. We're kind of providing a practical aspect as to how to deal with your own personal ministry, how to deal with your church ministry. And so when I say these things, when I say these principles, I want you guys to actually take these, kind of dig deeper, dig deeper than what I'm saying, dig deeper and into the word, study this for yourself. And you have to know what principles you have to apply. You can't just keep going. I can't keep going and just do whatever I feel like doing. I have to go back to my principles. I have to go back to the principles that God has given to us through inspired writings, through the word of God, through other people. And, um, you know, we choose our hymns in a way that will actually complement the service. And so oftentimes here, we actually have themes and uh, themes for each day. And so we choose our themes. We choose usually the first song to be upbeat. Um, the way I was personally trained was to, um, to have a song that will first rouse them, and then the next song can be something that's slower. And if you need the third song, you know, uh, you can change it up. But you want to have a progression of, of songs. You want to start, for example, sometimes we, say, we start with praise. We start with praise, and then we go with um, thanksgiving. And then we go with how we are a church, or how we use that praise, how that Thanksgiving, and kind of continue. And uh, those who make singing a part of divine worship should select hymns with music appropriate to the occasion, not funeral notes, but cheerful yet solemn melodies. I don't have that up there. The voice can and should be modulated, softened, and subdued. Um, the tempo should be upbeat and beginning to rouse the singers. And then I, I really think that song services are such an important part as to what atmosphere you want to bring to your church. Um, I personally have an experience when I was in high school. I was um, singing with a choir. And they had their, the church that we went to had their divine service first. And then we went back to my own church and they had divine service second. So I experienced almost as if we had two divine services, two song services. And the first song service was such, it was such a small church in reality. It was a really small church. There weren't, you know, it was us singing, but we really loved the music that we were singing. It was the, the small church singing, but they were singing with such power, such gusto. And you could feel the Holy Spirit there. You could feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then... I hate to say this, but I went to the other church, and um, we had, I actually experienced something that I've never experienced before. I don't know if you guys have felt um, some sort of, uh, what's, there's not really a word for it, but it's almost as if you've been disconnected from your past life, and um, it's a culture shock, really. It becomes a culture shock. I went to that church, and I experienced something that was completely different. I began to you know, feel like if the Holy Spirit was leaving. And it wasn't really because I felt like, you know, he was leaving. I still felt like he, he was there. Uh, but as the music continued, it felt like the music was cheap. It felt like the music was just, you know, there to entertain, to, you know, help the, help the young people sing, you know, because they wanted more of an upbeat song or they wanted a song that was more popular. 
but I began, personally began to experience as if I was leaving the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the worst things you can have in your church service. Um, oftentimes you don't feel it, you don't see it because you're in that experience, but having that shift, coming from one place immediately to the next, I began to see the effect really, and you you begin to see almost as if there's, you see the war that's waging in your own church. And us as, as music leaders, as people who play music, as instrumentalists, as singers, that is the last thing you want to do. Music is meant to be a ministry. Music is meant to be something that we encourage others. We lead others to Christ. And really, that is one of the hardest things to deal with. Um, on a more practical note, uh, one of the other things I dealt with uh, was volume. And I'm not going to talk about you know instruments or anything like that. One of the interesting things was that um, you could have some, you know, perfect instrumental sort of thing, but if it's too loud, if you can't think, um, that's where you begin to have problems. In uh, Ellen White writes here, a bedlam of noise shocks the senses and perverts that which is conducted aright might be a blessing. That might be a blessing. The powers of satanic agencies blend with the din and the noise to have a carnival, and that is turned with the Holy Spirit's working. Those things which have been in the past will be in the future. Satan will make music a snare, a way by the way, a snare by the way it is conducted. And if you oftentimes people think, well, we don't have you know these drums, for example, we don't have drums here at GYC. But if we notice that the music is too loud for you to personally think, um, it begins to affect actually the, the way you, you begin to have a worship service. And you really can't make decisions on your own. Um, you begin to lose that whole thing. You begin to lose yourself to the music, which is not what God wants. He wants us to use our minds, to use our hearts, to use you know, every capability that we have to glorify and honor God. One of the other problems that um, I've seen, I've dealt with personally, is uh, with volume, has been um, the confusion. Oftentimes there's so much noise, there's so much going on at once that it becomes, you know, you become lost in it. And I'm going to move on to the next one. It says, the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with such confusion of noise and multitude of sounds as passed before me last January. She experienced one herself, Ellen White. And uh, she says, Satan works amid the din and confusion of such music, which properly conducted would be a praise and glory to God. And he makes his effect like a poison sting of the serpent. Uh, we can see, you know, how easily we can switch from one from one side to the next, how easily we can begin to push the Holy Spirit out of our own worship services. And uh, on a more practical, more you know, sense that we see is um, loud music can really damage your hearing. And uh, as a musician, I, I have a violin teacher and she has, us, she has us actually wear cotton balls in our ears when we practice. Um, that's one of the worst things you, <laughs> to, to lose. It's because when you get older, you already lose your hearing. And, um, and we don't want in our church services to be causing other people to be losing their hearing just because, for example, we want it to you know, drown out whatever we do. And more for personal benefit, more for personal safety, um, it's one of those things that we have to be very mindful of when we're playing, when you know, your sound technicians are working the soundboard and um, having them you know, deal with that and, you know, maybe you can bring these things up. And what I do, I pull out earplugs when there's too much going on because first, before anything, I want to protect the ears God has given me. Um, There's one thing that has been going around. I've actually been researching a little bit. It's called hidden hearing loss. And uh, it's still being, it's still rather new. They don't know that much about it. It can't be tested in the same way that regular hearing can be tested. But one of the dangerous things is that it actually affects the way your mind is interpreting those, those sound waves. 
um, young people are beginning to actually have these problems with, for example, if you guys were all speaking and I was trying to listen to one person, I can't understand that person. The sound waves are hitting my ears, but in the process of coming from my ears into my thinking and my processing, um, we begin to have problems. And that is what is kind of, we're beginning to see more and more of that. And I just want to encourage, you know, as, as you go through your church services, uh, I really want to, to encourage you guys to um, protect your audience's hearing. I want to protect the, the church's hearing and um, help them to, to be able to hear more music later on. Um, kind of going back to the hymns, if you have no theme, uh, we usually center the music around Jesus. Uh, maybe we'd center it around Jesus coming back or Jesus, you know, but there's always a transition. That way we can go, well, the, the people who are singing can say, oh, well, from here you go to here. From here you can go to here. And kind of connect those three together because I don't think, you know, one of the worst things to have is to just put songs there because, uh, you know, it's just like, oh, we'll just sing. We'll just have a thing. But uh, we know that music is such a powerful, powerful instrument um, in our praise and our glory and our worship. Um, if not, you know, center it around what the pastor wants. And one of the things that I get asked um, is how to incorporate young people into the music. And you guys are all young people. Uh, but you guys could also, you know, learn about that. And um, we have to learn how to develop our own talents, develop our own, you know, ways. And uh, one of the challenges that I dealt with as a violinist was actually how to, how to kind of incorporate what I was doing out in orchestra and out in my, you know, practice sessions and my performances, how to incorporate that into my church services. And I began to see that even though I wasn't playing the same stuff, I was actually learning how to produce sound well. I was learning how to bring, you know, the most out of my instrument. I was learning how to, um, how to incorporate different types of, of the way I played music and use that in church. And so, you know, playing even for, as a violinist, really, I can only talk as a violinist, I don't, I sing, and I play a little bit of piano, but as a violinist, for example, you know, you deal with vibrato. And as singers and other instrumentalists, for example, I just using that really simple example, vibrato. Um, I've noticed that some people, and I've, I've also done it too, you know, stick with the same vibrato type of thing. But if you keep developing your talents outside of the church, you learn to, you know, how to slow down, how to speed up that vibrato, how to make the music that you're playing more impactful, how to almost play as if you, how you sing. And, you know, push yourself. You have to push yourself to, to continue working hard. Um, one of the other things is I've, I've also heard is how to deal with talent versus commitment. And um, oftentimes, you know, they'll put up the same three people up on stage um, and because they're the best people. But, you know, you really want to incorporate the church and the people who are around you, the people who are willing. And um, music should be a channel into the complete worship service, not just the service itself. That's one of the other points. Music should be as effective as possible to win souls. Um, you know, oftentimes we think, well, you know, music is good as it is. Why should we fix what's not broken, what we think is not broken? But there's always different ways that we could win souls to Christ. And um, there is actually an evangelism. Uh, page 511, she says, In some instances, much time was devoted to singing. There is a long hymn before prayer, a long hymn after prayer, and much singing interspersed all through the meeting. Thus, golden moments were used unwisely, and not one half the good was done that might have been realized that had these precious seasons been properly managed. Um, sometimes we'll have instances where, you know, you sing a lot more, a lot, and then you have a little tiny sermon, a little tiny thing. But really, music should be part of a whole. It's not just going to be music, oh, and then the sermon. It should complement the sermon. It should provide a way to connect both 
to provide a way to have an experience so that the person who is sitting there, the person who is hearing you, um, can associate the music you sang with a sermon. And they can have a complete message to take home, to change, to um, grow spiritually. And there's another one um, in next quote. Brother Yu has a good, she's actually talking about an experience right now, uh, a letter. And Brother Yu has a good knowledge of music, but his education in music was of a character to suit the stage rather than a solemn worship of God. So in this one, she's actually addressing the fact that sometimes we put music as a show. We put music as, you know, its own personal thing, and we're just going to show how good we are, how good the music is. And singing is just as much of a worship of God in a religious meeting as speaking. And any oddity or peculiarity cultivated attracts the attention of the people and destroys the serious, solemn impressions which should be the result of sacred music. Anything strange and eccentric in singing detracts from the seriousness and sacredness of religious service. That, personally, is really scary. Um, you know, it also has to do, for example, with organization. If you have people running up there and, you know, doing things last minute, it actually detracts from your service. And, you know, maybe you think, oh, oddity, peculiarity. Maybe it's just, you know, some person singing off tune or something like that. But even in the smaller things, how we deal with, you know, the, how we manage and how we plan our song services, that should not hinder the message of the music. And, you know, in reality, music brings us together. Uh, there was, I was working with a, during Pathways, I was actually with a, staying with the director of music of Pathways, and I'm friends with their, da their daughter, and uh, he actually mentioned something very interesting. And he noted that when we, when the churches actually bring together, for example, a choir, when the churches bring together teams of song services, we, they begin to connect. They had issues. For, he was talking about one certain example. They were having issues with one church. They were having issues with, um, you know, people wanted to separate. People wanted to do their own thing. And then they started a choir. They started a church choir singing at church. And they sang for song services. They sang for different things. And those problems began to go away. And, um, you know, the way that deal with music, you deal with music in your church can also affect if your church stays together or not, because the real character of music has to come from the heart. It really has to come from our own humble humility. We have to humble ourselves before Christ, and um, you know that way we begin to see others not as oh they're on their side, we're on our side, but people begin to connect. People begin to see each other as as other children of God, and you know. One thing I want to clarify is um, you may think that we're trying to advocate, you know, hymns only song service. Um, that's far from the truth. We're trying to convince you to use certain instruments. Oh, you may be trying to think that we're trying to convince you to use certain instruments. That's not the case in this point. Um, but these matters, these principles matter. And they're the guide that we need to follow. We need to constantly be thinking, is this something that will glorify God, number one, is this something that will bring others to Christ? And not just bring others to Christ for the church service, bring others to Christ for the week. Bring others to Christ so that they go home and they are inspired. They go home and it's not, oh, that was a great service. That was a great song service. They go home and they're convicted. That's one of the hardest things when you get convicted. But that causes us to continually grow and to move forward and to bring others to Christ. Uh, these principles are one of the things you guys need, oh, we all need to set, sorry. I could sit here, I could tell you what's right, what's wrong, um, till I'm blue in the face. But we need to examine properly the principles of music ministry. And is it true? Is it virtuous? Is it respectable? Is it genuine? Is it honorable? Is it, you know, all these different things that we think about. Is it here to glorify and honor God? Are our song services in place just to entertain or to truly connect people with God? Is it just something to connect on an emotional level 
Or is it something that we can connect with on an intellectual level? Is it something that we can use not only when we go, well, when we also go home so that, you know, we just don't go home and sing, well, since we don't have the choir, since we don't have all the instruments, I don't want to sing the song. You know, we can go home and we can sing these songs while we're at work, while we're at school, while we're walking to different places, and they inspire us. That one song can move us. And uh, just one thing I want to show is in this one. And it's very important to note that those things which have been in the past will be in the future. Satan will make music a snare by the way in which it is conducted. God calls upon his people who have the light before them. You guys, we all have the light before them in the word and the testimonies to read and consider and take heed. Clear and definite instruction has been given in order that all may understand. But the itching desire to originate something new results in strange doctrines and largely destroys the influence of those who would be a power for good if they held firm the beginning of their confidence in the truth the Lord has given them. God has given us the tools. He's given us the resources to keep you know, growing, to keep moving forward, to influence the people around us, influence the church around us. Um, one example, before we actually close, uh, I go to a church and um, the, one of the pastors of the church has actually written on his wall or on the church wall um, he's part of our music committee. He's not here this year, but he sent me this, and it was really nice to see something that was written out, something that was practical. And um, it's written here. It says, I go to Village Church, but Village Church, and they have six music goals. Um, to never forget your purpose for standing there as a musician. The purpose. Music draws worshipers into the atmosphere of heaven and prepares hearts for the receiving of the word. Power. Music has the power to subdue the soul, awaken convictions, and stir a desire for God. God's people who raise their voices in praise join the angel choirs in praising God. And pivotal, music provides pivotal in the, ban in the battle for the soul, pivotal ground. Satan, who works hard to change Adam and Eve's songs of praise to hatred and curses to their maker, is still seeking to derail our songs of praise. You know, oftentimes we, we think that, oh, maybe we all know this. Maybe we all, you know, kind of understand this. Oh, I get it. I, I don't really have to think about it. But Satan is constantly working, and we have to be constantly working to, to actually resist that, to resist Satan coming and the devil and all these issues of the world coming into our church and affecting the way we deal with, you know, how to lead others to Christ. And... That's one of the most important things to note is that we have to continually grow. We have to continually be in the, in the will of God and submitting ourselves, submitting our church. Pray for, pray for your music ministry. Pray for you know, your church. Have other people pray for your music ministry. Um, it's one of the most important things. We need, to, we need prayer in everything. But uh, in worship, in music, it's one of the most important things to pray, to submit, to be willing, to be humble. And if we continually do this, we'll continually be leading others to Christ. And Christ will work in their hearts. We don't have to, you know, always do a show. We don't always have to do these things. Christ is the one who's working on their hearts. He's using us as his instruments. He's using us to, to grow and to... Um, actually send forth the sound waves to their minds. But he's putting the conviction in their hearts. He's the one who's, who's dealing with, you know, how they're thinking. And the Holy Spirit is really what we need in our church services, wherever we go, at all times. And so, you know, I just, I just call you guys to continually pray for yourselves, for myself, for your music's, music, music groups, music committees, music leaders, and, you know, that we may continue to lead others to Christ. That's our ultimate goal, to lead others to him. So I think that's about our time. We have about two minutes left, but we'll just finish with a word of prayer. Dear Gracious and Holy Father, I want to thank you for a wonderful, wonderful day you've given to us, Lord. And uh, I want to thank you for giving us these words and these testimonies, Lord. Help us to continue studying them. And it's not something that I can cover here, Lord. It's just something that we need to um, 
study for ourselves. We need to create these principles. We need to um, set forth the rules and the ground, ground rules that you want us to set forth. And I just ask that you help us to be submitted, help us to be willing, help us to be committed to you. And thank you for the blessing of allowing us to be part of your service and part of your work and that we may bring others to you. And I want to thank you for all these blessings. Hear my prayer. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2017 Conference Arise in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.